Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, did you get a good night's sleep last night? How about the night before? You got sleep? Insomnia costs more than you might imagine, and it's enough to lose sleep over. Well, you're in luck because today we have one of the nations, if not the world's most foremost experts on sleep. This is in connection to the fact that, as you You may not know, but March 10th to the 16th this year is National Sleep Awareness Week. And March 11th was National Nap Day, and that was in conjunction with uh, Daylight Savings Time. Apparently, National Nap Day is the Monday after we change the clock. So there are many reasons to lose sleep. Uh, As a psychiatrist, I can talk to you about some of the psychological ones, we lose sleep, um, such as being, well, it's worry. The number one reason is psychologically is worry. And what are we worrying about these days? We're worrying about money. We're worrying about the health of ourselves and our loved ones, relationships, work, um, terrorism, the things that are in the news, you know, especially if one of the big no-nos I'm sure Dr. Shirazi is going to be talking about is not to... Uh, watch the news right before you go to sleep. Not only do we have news about terrorism, but um, news about, you know, recently news about Michael Jackson, that would keep you up. (laughs) The poor young man who had been uh, molested. And then also there's something in today's news about the college uh, application scam. People who have been paying colleges high, you know, Ivy League colleges to get their kids in um, instead of doing it the old-fashioned way, which is hard work. So, um, and of course, sleep, uh, physical reasons why you lose lose sleep uh, have to do with sleep apnea. And actually, there was something in the news today that's kind of interesting. The um, bladder problems, people having to get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom which is called, the medical term is called nocturia, that is costing the U.S. $44 billion a year. And um, productivity of workers decreased because you're interrupting your sleep and it's usually hard or often hard to get back to sleep once you had to get up to go to the bathroom. And countries around the world are losing billions, but the U.S. is losing the most. And uh, that's kind of an interesting statistic. Well, before um, I go on to more statistics, let me tell you, let me introduce Dr. David Shirazi. He is the head of the Sleep Therapy Center of Conejo Valley, which is in Thousand Oaks, California. He has more letters after his name than alphabet soup. He's a dentist. He has a DDS, an MS, um, which is a, a master's. And LAC and MA, I'll let you, uh, all I can tell you, <laughs> I'll let you, uh, Dr. Shirazi, tell us what these letters stand for. But he's board certified in craniofacial pain and in, de- in dental sleep medicine. And he is the first board certified sleep technologist who's also a dentist and an acupuncturist. 
So I, I think this, I, I think this is really interesting um, because you know there are other sleep centers and so on, but it is really interesting that you spent the time studying all of these different things. Maybe you, you, we can start off by you walking us through your journey, um, including studying in China and studying in South Korea. So you really, um, you don't get much sleep, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I make sure to get plenty of sleep. I know how important it is. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for that wonderful well, intro. Well, you're very welcome. Tell us about your journey. Like, how, what made you, first of all, when you went to dental school, were you, were you thinking at all that you were going to have anything to do with sleep, or how did that come about? No, no not at all. My mom's a dentist. Uh, my father was a pharmacist. Ah. Um, and I just, you know, found the love for the dentistry through my mom. And I love uh-huh. working with my hands, and I, I love talking to people and connecting with people, so it was lovely. So... When I was 18, uh, I I had a cold, and my mom sent me over to Kaiser, because she's a neurotic Jewish mother, and she just couldn't leave me alone. I I go there, uh, they take me back, and they want to give me antibiotics for my cold. And everyone in my family Uh is a doctor or a dentist or something. And so I had picked up some things listening to them, and I said, so this problem's in my nose, right? They said, yeah. I said, well, if it's, if it's in my nose, it's, uh, it's a virus probably, right? They go, yeah. I said, well, well what's the antibiotic going to do for the virus? And the doctor essentially said, well, the antibiotic will work on the bacterial bugs in your system, and your immune system can now focus on the virus. I said, okay. Uh-huh. I, told my mom, I told my mom what he said, and my mom is in that generation where you just do whatever the doctor tells you. You don't question it. Uh-huh. And so she's like, yeah, uh-huh. well, I told you to take it. You got to take it. So I did, and I got better. But I was a studious child, so I went into the library. This is before the Internet, so, you know, pulled it up and found out in whatever medical literature there was in 1991 that um, you're not supposed to give and an antibiotic, uh, let alone a broad spectrum, during uh, a viral infection. And that, you know, as you know, it can later on turn into getting resistance to that antibiotic where you could really use it. So right then and Mm -hmm. there, actually, because when I was 14, I knew I wanted to be a dentist. Right then and there, when I was 18, I decided that I was going to study something holistic that was more inclusive of the whole body and more natural after I came out of dental school, mainly because when I had a family, I wanted to treat my family that way. That was my number one kind of thought process. And, uh-huh. um, and, then, and then I studied martial arts, and my martial arts instructor was a dental technician in the Army, and he said, Dave, you should really look at acupuncture. So I said, okay. So with his encouragement, I went over to Samra University, which is like the first university that... Uh, uh, was accredited to teach um, and license uh, acupuncturists. Had a wonderful experience. Went to dental school. Immediately came back, studied um, acupuncture, um, and before I knew it, I was uh, kind of throwing them all in together and limiting my practice to pain and sleep and functional orthodontics. Well, but Does that where, make sense? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Well, where did the sleep come in? I mean, I didn't. You, I would imagine you used acupuncture um, on your dental patients, right? And to I'll help tell them you exactly. Feel- I'll tell you exactly how it happened. I'll tell you exactly how it happened. So, 
When I came out of dental school, I was also doing a couple hundred hours a year of continuing education around dentistry while getting my master's. And I was doing a lot of orthodontics. And I was making orthodontic appliances to correct people's facial forms. We call it, I was correcting to skeletal class one. And a number of patients had come back to me and said, well, doc, I don't get migraines anymore. And I said, well, good for you. I didn't know you even had migraines. They said, no, when I take out your appliance, my migraines come back. And I thought, okay, well, that's a bit odd. So, uh, you know, I would belong to a wonderful study group at the time, uh, mentioned them, what happened to me, and they said, oh, it's happened to all of us. A lot of these headaches come from the jaw. And, and I was incredulous. I said, well, if that were the case, I would know it because I study all the time. <laughs> so, so then I started to look, and now I had the Internet at my disposal. Um, and I looked, and I found the correlation, and you can go as far as, as say, causation, because once you fix the jaw problem and the clenching, it does stop. But the correlation with tension-type headaches and TMJ problems is well over 80%, depending on which study you look at, and there's hundreds of studies. And with, with migraines, it was more associated with a phenomenon called central sensitization, which is a form of referred pain. So you can have any uh, repetitive injury uh, that eventually cause something to be sensitized, like a trigeminal neuralgia or burning mouth or a migraine or et cetera. And one of those things can happen to be the TMJ that's, that's, that has a problematic uh, okay. way. Okay, well, I... I... Okay, I, I don't really want to get into TMJ so much, to tell you the truth. No, that's okay. <laughs> that's well, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you how I got it. it, it it's the segue. It's pro, I promise it's the segue. I mean, I was, what I was thinking was that you used your uh, acupuncture to help people with dental pain. That's where I was going. Yeah, I actually know because I did very little dentistry. My, my practice is really focused on pain, sleep, and orthodontics. And I would use my acupuncture for pain and as it related to being able to fall asleep and stay asleep. But the reason I brought so, up the pain, the reason I brought up the pain is eventually over the years, literature had come forward that said that a certain aspect of sleep, of sleep apnea called upper airway resistance syndrome is the number one cause of why we clench our teeth. Okay, I really, I really, okay. I'm, I'm really... Yeah. Let, I, 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 let's move on. Um, no, we're moving. I'm moving. On. Don't worry. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I understand we want to talk about sleep, and I, and I do as well. So once okay, I, I so learned that there is... is a, yeah, go ahead. I was just saying, the, once I, I discovered that, I learned that there was such a rich uh, information base about sleep that wasn't being addressed. So currently, and, and I'm not trying to be you know, overly dramatic, but lack of quality sleep and, and sleep duration is a national health crisis that we're facing right now. It's a major yes, problem. Yes, yes, Okay, yes, and I want to get to that. Can we just, like, so can we just, like, put closure on this? In other words, your acupuncture, um, yes. even though you, in other words, you have a DDS, you have a, you are a dentist, you have a dental degree, correct? Correct, correct. correct. Okay. But you, but you haven't. Um, but you, you wound up um, using it in, in terms of pain for for um, for TMJ and migraines and so on, and that led you into sleep because these were Correct. things that were interrupting people's sleep. 
Is that correct? correct? And it could be, and absolutely. And sleep problems are overlapping so strongly with sleep, as, as you know. One of the reasons we have insomnia, one of the main reasons, is pain. Yeah, right. Okay, that's and then right. okay. insomnia, and insomnia, and lack of quality sleep will actually sensitize us to even more pain. So it becomes a vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to focus on pain, but the focus being yes. on sleep. <laughs> when we have yes. any kind of sleep disturbance, so the sleep disturbance can be within snoring and apnea. The sleep disturbance could be with our bed partners snoring and sleep apnea. Uh, and, and that goes to any kind of noise. So if you have a noisy neighbor's dog, if you have um, an air conditioning unit that's very, very noisy, uh, all of those things can disturb our sleep. And then, of course, as you segued in at the beginning of our call, was when we have uh, stress that's, that we're overthinking at night about all the things that are going on in the world and in our own personal lives, all of those things keep us from having proper sleep. And when yes, we lose absolutely. this proper sleep, when we lose this proper sleep, we actually see not only inflammatory markers kicking up, which affect type 2 diabetes, hypertension, chronic pain, Parkinson's, etc., but we actually see a drastic decline in our growth hormone, our endogenous growth hormone, because almost 100% of the growth hormone we release that we have in our body comes from one small stage of sleep called delta. Oh. And, and if we have any disturbance in our sleep, we will deplete ourselves of that delta. Right? Now, children have predominantly delta and REM in their sleep because they need a lot of growth hormone. So a lack of sleep, snoring and apnea in children is associated with like a failure to, to thrive. Um, lack of REM sleep is associated with a lot of psychosocial issues like depression and anxiety and not being able to process our emotions. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. Um, so, for example, would you... Um, so how do you, how do you tell? Do you, I, I presume you do sleep studies? What would you... Um, you do sleep studies to tell what kinds of, which cycles of sleep people are missing, and then do you give uh, people supplemental growth hormone if they're missing delta cycles? Well, no. I'm much more interested in resolving what the, the cause is. So let's say the patient has had a sleep study, and we look at their cycles, and we see why their sleep is disturbed. It really does vary. So, for example, the most common thing I treat is snoring and sleep apnea. And the bed partner mm-hmm. snoring and sleep apnea, which keeps you from going into Delta. What's, what's really interesting is there was a great study out of Cleveland, I believe Cleveland, Cleveland Clinic, where they took 1,100 subjects and bed partners, husband and wife, and they did sleep studies on both. And the, the most disturbing part of sleep is what we call arousals. Those are the mini wake-ups that we're not even aware of, okay? And snoring, sleep apnea, the noisy dog, the moving bed partner, all of those things can cause an arousal. Well, what they found was that was so interesting was the bed partner with the snoring and sleep apnea had an average of 27 arousals an hour. 
and the bed partner with no snoring and no sleep apnea had 21 arousals an hour, almost Mm. as many as the person with the apnea. So when they actually whittled down that group into those that were using their CPAP religiously, they didn't do follow-up sleep studies on the bed partner, but they asked the bed partner, how are you now that your bed partner is using their CPAP machine and is no longer snoring and having apnea events? And their response was, oh, my headaches are gone. I'm not grouchy anymore. I'm not depressed as much. I'm not as anxious as much. I feel much more rested when I wake up. Really, really interesting uh, information. Yeah, that does, that, is, does that make sense? That is, so, um, yes. Yeah, so I'm much more interested in what's causing those arousals. So, for example, we've had, I have a sleep lab, and if a doctor refers a patient over to me to evaluate their patient's insomnia, we'll sometimes do their sleep study, and they'll say they had the best sleep of their night, and they didn't have any insomnia throughout the night. And, you know, a report will reflect this, the sleep study report will reflect it, and we'll let the doctor know there's probably something going on in the person's home environment that's giving them insomnia. This is not coming uh-huh. from within. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's very interesting, especially since uh, sleeping in a lab is not the most comfortable <laughs> kind of thing when you know it, you're being you know, observed and all that. It isn't. It's usually very, very challenging, but we actually have the best equipment you can get, which is uh, mostly wireless. So even though you have the leads on you, you're not attached to anything. So you can roll around in bed. I just meant, though, that um, you, would be, you know you're being observed. You know, you're not, you're not private. Yeah. Well, we need to take a break now. Um, my guest is Dr. David Shirazi. He's the head of the Sleep Therapy Center of Conejo Valley in Thousand Oaks, California. When we come back, we'll talk more about sleep. Uh, how much you got, why you're not getting it, and what that means for your body and your life, this um, absence of sleep. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today, um, in, in a nod, a nod, you get it, to National Sleep Awareness Week, <laughs> which is March 10th to the 16th, and National Nap Day, which you missed. You know, you snooze, you lose. It was this past Monday, March 11th, yesterday. Um, the day after, it's always the Monday after the after daylight savings time. Um, so anyhow, in a nod, as I said, to that, um, we're talking today about got sleep. Insomnia costs you more than you think. It's enough to lose sleep over. My guest is Dr. David Shirazi, the head of the Sleep Therapy Center of Conejo Valley Thousand Oaks in California, Southern California. And um, we started talking about, as I, I was asking Dr. Shirazi about his uh, interesting journey from first getting a dental degree and then acupuncture and so on, um, and um, and going well and, and going to China and Seoul, Korea, to study um, acupuncture. But before we get back into sleep, um, let's talk a little bit about what that was like. Being how long were you in China and South Korea to study acupuncture? Uh, each time it was just a few weeks. Just a few and weeks. what was that like? Oh, quite different. In China, quite different, as you could probably imagine. Um, in China, yes. probably the most salient feature was not being able to breathe the air because the pollution was, <laughs> was so mm. terrible. Um, but we spent half the time in didactic uh, classroom setting and then the other time actually in the clinic working on patients. And it was a, a wonderful learning experience. Um, after acupuncture school, I wanted to get a more hands-on approach to what it's really being practiced in the Asian countries. Uh-huh. Well, that, yeah. was, that was very... Did you get to see the pandas? <laughs> I did not get to see the pandas. It was you in did Beijing, not get so to I got see to see the pandas. The <laughs> what? No, I didn't. I, <laughs> unfortunately not, no. Well, I went to China, and one of the most memorable things was getting to see the pandas. That's why I was asking you that. And, and what, about, what was it like in, in South Korea? I was, I was just so amazed and impressed and humbled at how they conduct medicine in that university that I went to, Kyunghide. Absolutely just the highest grade of medicine I've ever seen. 
and I'm coming from, you know, where we've got UCLA right here, we've got John Hopkins. They, they, in my opinion, they, they, they put us all to shame. They're that, they're that ahead of the game. They're amazing. Hmm, that's interesting. And, Was there any and I, and I learned comfort? It. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that, I didn't say what? anything. Go on. I um, so every every doctor. Yes. Every doctor that every graduated doctor. F- that graduated from that university is both a Western MD and a PhD acupuncturist. Huh. So it's how standard protocol. How many how many years it, is the medical school? It, it's quite a great many years. It's one of those programs where you get into it after high school. And you're into it for 8 or 12 years, and then you have residency and et cetera, and you have specialty. Hmm. And the, it's for them to combine acupuncture and herbs and traditional Western medicine is what they do on every single patient. It's absolutely amazing to watch at that level. That, that's fascinating. Um, did you feel any discomfort in South Korea in terms of or in China, for that matter, in terms of feeling that you weren't safe. Not, I'm not talking about, like, uh, you know, um, on the street being robbed or something, but I mean, like, from the government, that there, somebody, Big Brother, was watching you. No, I never got the, that impression from both. So, obviously, in China, you have way more checks and balances, and, you know, we, we, we came supervised. We had a chaperone, one of my uh, instructors, uh, brought us into, it's called the China Beijing Acupuncture Center, which is the only uh, acup- international acupuncture training center that the World Health Organization sponsors. And we had someone that went to that school. They had graduated from that school. So we kind of went in as a group that was, it was understood that we were, you know, students coming from America. Um, in Korea, it was... It was as easy as coming to any of the states or going to Canada or anything like that. There was no worries at all in Korea. Hmm, interesting. Because when I, I was in, well, I, as I said, I was in China, but I was focusing on the pandas. But, but <laughs> I, we, there was this sense of, uh, you know, like in the hotel, for example, there was somebody on every floor. Um, and this was a nice hotel, but um, it was like you were being watched. And then in South Korea, I didn't actually get um, out of the airport in South Korea. It was just a, a layover. It was I forget we were coming from some other Asian country, and we had a, um, a stop in South Korea. And that was, um, I think it was an unplanned stop. There was something with the plane. I, I don't really remember that too well, but I do remember it was a very uncomfortable feeling in the airport. There were a lot of people with guns. <laughs> um, I, I mean, you know. Uh, military people, I don't mean, you know, um, thieves or whatever, right. <laughs> um, surrounding, us, surrounding us in the airport. And it was very, very uncomfortable. So that's why I was just asking that. But that's, that's you know, you're, that shows that you're really dedicated that you did all of that. And, and it must have been, um, you know, as compared to people here who study acupuncture um, just from an American acupuncture school. Well, let's move on to... Um, to talking about some specific kinds of situations, people who are specifically in danger um, from lack of sleep, like police and firefighters and truck drivers. Absolutely. Um, if, 
a truck driver, for example, um, is shown to have sleep apnea and they don't get it treated, either with a CPAP or an oral appliance, uh, they will have their license pulled because they are a danger to the public. Right? We, we've, we've certainly seen, I don't know if, if you recall, but when I was half my age, there were way more truck driver accidents than there are today. Um, and that was mm. more to do with how they've locked down on this whole sleeping issue. They never got a good night's sleep, and then they get behind the wheel of a multi-ton vehicle and then fall asleep behind it. Extremely dangerous. And then I'm sure you've heard the stories lately of uh, garbage truck drivers who literally fell asleep at the wheel and crashed to people's homes. Hmm. You know, the, the train derailment, do you remember the New York train derailment? A lot of people died, absolutely tragic event. The uh, conductor had severe sleep apnea that wasn't treated. He wasn't getting hmm. restful, restorative sleep. He wasn't focused, and they derailed. You know? um, there, yes, there's you're talking about the one from, from New Jersey into New York, or New York and is that what you're talking about? I the think it was New York into New Jersey, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So, so you're saying that um, these corporations, uh, like truck drive companies that employ truck drivers or, or mm-hmm. um, railroads, are cracking down more and trying to make sure that they're... I mean, how do they do that? Do they make... Um, do, do they just rely on the drivers to to tell them no. whether they are having problems. So how do they do it? They, do they send them to a doctor, to a sleep study lab? Yes. Well, it, it depends which state uh, you're in, but in some states it's absolutely mandatory to get a sleep study and be cleared before you're able to uh, drive a truck. And even airline pilots, uh, the same thing. They, they have to be cleared for sleep. So, I mean, that's, that's expensive. I mean, that must cut that. First of all, I mean, I don't know. How, how expensive is it? Is it a couple of thousand, a few thousand dollars? for How much is a sleep study? Uh, probably a sleep study is around a thousand. You could say it's around a thousand. Um, and if you're uh-huh. getting a CPAP, for example, you'll need at least two total. And then you have your, your CPAP machine. But that is actually uh-huh. the cost. The cost, even if we factor the quality of life, the longevity of life, and all of those things out of the equation, okay, just what damages is caused by error and lack of, poor, of good judgment from lack of sleep, well, the yeah, cost yeah, of doing absolutely. these sleep studies... The cost of doing these sleep yeah. studies, making oral appliances, making CPAP machines for people is a drop in the bucket. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, especially, let's say, um, a truck driver falling asleep, creating uh, an accident, killing some people, and being sued by yes. all these people. We're talking about millions. Yes. So, yes, it is absolutely. a drop in the bucket. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so, I-, I would imagine, though, that some people that might cut that might make some people um, decide that they don't want to be a pilot or a truck driver, or if they have to take one of these sleep studies. I would imagine that might um, discourage some people because they might be scared of what you're gonna what's going to be found out. Yes, of course I know, and I'm sure people listening know that um, it would be for their 
in their best interest to know this just for themselves and their lives, you know, even if they didn't go on and become a truck driver. But, um, but I still think that it might be a little daunting for some people. Well, you know, it's open to interpretation by whoever wants to interpret it that way. Um, sure, it might be daunting for a moment to know that that's a job requirement, but, you know, people used to think it was daunting to do a drug test before starting a job. But, we under, but no yes. one scoffs at it much anymore, and no one um, will quit a job or not apply for a job. And in my life experience, maybe you have a greater life experience than me, but I, I can't imagine someone saying, oh, well, that place of business makes me do a urine test to check for drugs. I'm not even going to go apply. I don't, I don't, I don't see that as, as being the reality. What I see more of a reality is people caring about their health and saying, okay, well, whether I work for this truck company or not, I don't want to snore and wake up my bed partner every single night. I don't want to sleep in a different bedroom than my spouse. Um, I don't want to have to take diabetes medication and hypertension medication if what's causing it is the snoring and sleep apnea. That's what I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing more of an endogenous pull of people saying, okay, well, at first he put me on this hypertension medication, and then now I'm on two or three, and it's barely keeping it together, right? So they would rather find a more organic way of fixing the problem. And, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you would too if you had a choice of taking a medication for the rest of your life that manages the symptoms versus potentially doing a test and fixing a problem that could potentially be causing it, I'm sure you yourself would like to do the latter yourself. Well, now, let's, um, let's, why don't you talk a little bit about that, uh, some of the things that, that insomnia, um, for whatever reason, psychological reasons, physical reasons, um, get, not getting enough sleep, uh, you've mentioned them, you've sort of, you know, sprinkled them in there, but could you, mm-hmm. you know, give us a list of all the kinds of things, because I don't think people really think about that. You know, nobody likes to uh, wake up tired in the morning and feel groggy, and then you look at the day and you think, oh, my God, how am I going to do all these things I'm supposed to do when I'm already so tired and I just got out of bed? Um, right. But I don't think people think about lack of sleep in connection with diabetes, for example, or high blood pressure. So yeah. tell us about that. Well, it's, it's well established um, in the literature that particularly with sleep apnea and snoring, because of the arousal, and, and of course snoring and sleep apnea can actually even lead to insomnia just on its own. Because if you think about it, sometimes when we have an apneic event, will wake up choking and gasping for breath, right? Sometimes that in itself acts as a very frightful episode, almost as bad or worse mm-hmm. as a nightmare. And that can keep yeah. someone from, being, from treating their sleep as somehow unsafe. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, yeah. so, so they approach it very cautiously. They get very shallow, superficial sleep. But, but going back to what you're saying about diabetes and hypertension, we have so many studies that have shown that patients with uh, sleep apnea uh, have type 2 diabetes, particularly type 2, not type 1. But, and, so can you, wait, but, but to, wait, to, um, is it, 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 you're talking about sleep apnea, but what about just regular other reasons, like psychological reasons for li- missing sleep? Could, can you talk about just... Any, I mean, are, are the things that you're yeah. mentioning in relation to sleep apnea, 
is are those not the same for people who lose sleep for other reasons? Like you mentioned, nightmares. Let's say they have nightmares uh, because yeah. they have PTSD, so they, yeah. you know, or or pain or whatever. Yeah. I, I mean, you're not saying that it's different, or are you? Um, I mean, I guess there so, are some things that are probably different. In reg- well, but I mean, I, I I'm talking <laughs> about lack of sleep altogether, not just sleep apnea. Yeah. Right, exactly. So uh, without, forgive me, I don't want to get too technical, but you're asking a very technical question that doesn't have like a, a shoot 'em up answer. But, but you are right. A, someone with just insomnia due to unknown reasons yet, like, like reasons like you mentioned because yes. of nightmares, because of stress, because yes. of overthinking, they also have very high inflammatory markers. And they also have very high sympathetic tone in their nervous system, which can cause things like hypertension, even without sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. And right? can cause and, uh, diab- and can cause worsening diabetes. Yes, if if someone has a high inflammatory markers that's been like associated with sleep, that can be that is strongly correlated with type two diabetes. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we, ha- we have another, um, I don't know if you heard the music, but we have to take another break. We're talking today okay. about gut sleep that um, people ain't got enough of uh, these days. In fact, it's getting worse and worse. Um, when we come back, we will talk more with my guest, Dr. David Shirazi, the Sleep Therapy Center head of the Conejo Valley in Thousand Oaks in California. And um, we will uh, talk more about also some of the some of the things that you can do. Uh, I know a lot of people who are having insomnia or sleep apnea, well, particularly sleep apnea, you know, they hear um, that they think the only cure is a mask. They don't want a mask, and so they don't go and find out what's wrong with them. When we come back, we'll talk not just, I don't want to just talk about sleep apnea. We'll talk about insomnia in general, all kinds of reasons for why um, you're not getting enough sleep. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. 
Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talking with you today about sleep, got sleep, uh, not enough. That's why we have a sleep expert on, Dr. David Shirazi. He is the head of the Sleep Therapy Center of Conejo Valley in Southern California. Um, we've been talking about all kinds of issues related to sleep, and um, we're going to be talking a little bit about sleep hygiene. I was asking Dr. Shirazi during the break about um, how he uses his I'm so, I guess I'm stuck on the acupuncture part because I think that that's so interesting. Um, so I was asking him about how he uses acupuncture when it comes to um, people having problems sleeping. So tell us about that. Right. So we use acupuncture to treat insomnia based on how the patient presents. So, for example, uh, if someone is very, like, over-worried and just agitated before they go to sleep, we call that a liver cheese stagnation. So I would do a protocol for liver cheese stagnation. That's a ch- traditional Chinese medicine uh, lingo. For what stagnation? And I'm not understanding. Wait, wait for what, what <laughs> stagnation? What was that first one? Liver, like not the real liver, <laughs> the Chinese metaphorical yeah. liver. It's, right? So that would be a, uh, what I would use for someone that has insomnia due to that. If someone has insomnia... Because of overthinking and over-worrying, I use a spleen protocol. Not a real spleen, but like a Chinese spleen. Um, if someone says they wake up at the exact same uh, time at night every single night, let's say 3.14 every, every morning, and either can't get back to sleep or it takes a long time to get back to sleep, I use a very different protocol for that. So it just depends what, what, they, what, what they need what me for. What organ of the body... What organ of the body is that called? Uh, that is the lung, right? And if it's after 5 a.m., uh-huh. we call that the large intestine. Huh, interesting. So before 5 a.m., it's related to the lung, and, and after 5 a.m., it's the large intestine. Very interesting. I mean, you know, you say that, like, um, not the real liver, it's the Chinese liver, but but the Chinese, the whole acupuncture system, um, looking at meridians kind of relates to these, um, organs of the body, right? Yeah, I mean, like, um, so it's kind of like, you know, um, so liver stagnation is, are you saying it's not literally or in stagnation in the person's liver or Correct. is Correct. it symbolically That's like metabolic stagnation? No, no, no. It's, it's, metaf- it's completely metaphorical. Um, in Chinese medicine, when we're talking about a organ, it's, it's, yeah. it, it can be about that organ, but it, it's oftentimes metaphorical. So when we talk about the heart, 
we're actually rarely talking about the physical heart. We're actually talking about the spirit, the mind, and you know how joyful they are. Um, it, it means it means something uh, different. Uh huh. So, like the spleen would be someone who's kind of very over emotional. No, just someone that's over worrying. That's over worrying. So it's not. They're not. So, for example. Uh, someone that has a, a liver cheese stagnation, we say they have, they're, they're almost angry and agitated. They, it's like they're hot. They can't even put the blanket on. They're, they're that, that's the kind of presentation they have. And anything will upset them. They're easily irritable. Whereas someone has more of a, a spleen sheet deficiency, we're looking more for, they're just overthinking, overworried about things they have no control over. Hmm. Oh, that's very interesting. And so you, so you have them come for sessions of acupuncture. How many, I know it varies according to the person, but generally how many sessions of acupuncture does it take to help with these things? It, it depends on how long they've had the problem. Um, but, mm. you know, after about 10 sessions, we will either have hopefully resolved it or we've gotten a good idea of how long it's, for example, if after 10 sessions they say, I'm totally fine, fantastic, I sleep well, you know, pat on the back, good luck. If they say, you know what, I'm about 50% better, half the night I sleep through, the other half I still wake up at 5 a.m. or 3 a.m. or whatever, then we'll say, okay, well, let's do another 10 sessions and see how that goes. Mm-hmm, Okay. And I think that's really fascinating. Um, and I think a lot of people would be more willing to do that than to um, than when they think about maybe their problem is going to require a mask for uh, sleep apnea. What are some of the oh, yeah. uh, other solutions besides a mask? For sleep apnea? Uh, yes. the, the The number one treatment is the, is, the, is the CPAP mask, but the number two is oral appliance therapy. And that is most commonly used. So just to talk about what the research shows in meta-analysis is, uh, sorry, that's sorry, it's a very technical word. But what we're finding is the CPAP machine works great, but is tolerated about half the time or less. It's, a very, it's mm-hmm. not liked by many people for various reasons. Uh, a, an oral appliance, an FDA-approved appliance for sleep apnea and snoring, is tolerated 75 to 80% of the time, which is way better, and it works 75 and 80% as good as a CPAP machine. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? Does well, what that make ab- sense? Yes. What about, is there anything else besides those two? What, is, there, is there acupuncture for sleep apnea? You know, there is acupuncture for sleep apnea. I haven't actually seen it being efficacious. So the reason why we have sleep apnea is a loss of muscle tone in our tongue and throat and soft palate for that matter. And there are exercises you can do, what's called myofunctional therapy. There's, of course, appliances. There's nasal surgeries that some are very effective, some are not. Uh, And acupuncture as a way of increasing muscle tone in the upper airway, I haven't personally seen it. I'm obviously open to it. I would love for that to be the case, but I have not personally witnessed that. Hmm, interesting. All right. Well, for, uh, in conclusion, 
How about giving mm-hmm. people, um, a lot of people are listening who have just garden variety problems sleeping. Um, wh- tell us about sleep hygiene and how, no matter what kind of sleep problem you have, good sleep hygiene would help it, you know, at least would contribute to helping to it. So tell Absolutely. Us about Absolutely. Well, one of the first things I want to mention, as you said at the start of our call, was not watching the news before you go to sleep. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it is upsetting. They rarely ever talk about anything good that's going on in the world, even though good is going mm-hmm. on in the world. And to take mm-hmm. that into our sleep and our dreams, I don't recommend it. Um, I'm sure many of your listeners have already heard that you should go to bed at the same time every night, including weekends, wake up at the same time every morning, including weekends. I concur. Uh, we we want to get uh, an early enough sleep. We, we want to go to sleep well before 10 p.m. so that we can get all the cycles of sleep that we're supposed to have. We want hmm. our bedroom. Hmm? Pardon me? I just said, hmm, <laughs> before hmm. 10 o'clock. I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, huh, that's early, That's before 10 o'clock. Easy, easier said than done. I, I totally subscribe to that. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> uh, we, we, you want to keep your bedroom as a very, for lack of a better term, sacred space. You don't want to eat in your bedroom. You don't want to entertain friends and other family members in your bedroom. Your bedroom is just for sleeping and, you know, relations with your spouse. That's it. Nothing else. Okay? Uh, or others. I, <laughs> or others. <laughs> or others, if you're married, of course. Um, you want to definitely no, keep I'm, a television I'm saying it bedroom. doesn't have to be your spouse, is what I'm saying. I said, or others. <laughs> Go ahead. Or others, exactly. Exactly. Um, yes. You want to keep a television outside of the bedroom, and you want to keep as much things with light out of your bedroom. You want your bedroom as dark as possible when you're sleeping. This is one of the biggest things you can do, is keeping it dark yes, you know, and free of light. Yes. Yes, and that, that is really such an important thing. Um, I have found that myself, that uh, if... It really can make a big difference. I mean, it's something that's so easy to do, although, you know, of course, some people like to have some light on, if not directly in their bedroom, then in the hall, you know, maybe left over from being a child and being afraid of monsters under the bed. But um, that's such an easy thing to do, and it really can be very effective. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And. The reason I, I, I want to sit on the whole TV and electronics uh, subject for just another second is being uh-huh. on your, like, you know, uh, tablet or smartphone, we, our, our minds, our brains cannot tell the difference between light that comes from the sun and light that comes from mm-hmm. a device. So... Mm. Well, well, we have something called a circadian rhythm that kind of tells us when to wake up and when to go to sleep. And it ends up altering our circadian rhythm where our brain becomes confused as to when nighttime really is. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. So that would um, be a, a really increasing problem because so many people, yeah. you know, go to sleep um, hugging their 
hugging their cell phone, which, of course, is dangerous, not just uh, the issue about sleep, but also, you know, the radiation. You are not supposed to hug your cell phone. That, that's right. When I go to bed, I put my phone in airplane mode every night. I recommend everyone to do that. Yeah. I've had mm-hmm. patients say, oh, I, um, I put my phone downstairs in the kitchen and I sleep upstairs. Right? And I yes. tell them, does your, does your phone reach the cell tower five miles away? They go, yes. I go, why don't you think it's going to reach 10 feet up to your bedroom? <laughs> it, it can that's still reach. So just go ahead oh, and, and okay. put it on, um, on airplane mode. Unless, of course, you know, you, you're on call and you have to take the call. Um, you want to get into a routine, right? Brushing your teeth, washing your face, you know, talking with your spouse, and then go to sleep. Um, you want to avoid stimulants, like things like caffeine and coffee and, and soda drinks, at least six to eight hours before bedtime. Mm. Caffeine has uh, a pretty long, it stays in your system a long time. So even though you might say, oh, I just had that soda at 4 p.m. and now it's 10 p.m. I'm fine. No, your body is still processing it. Your body is still processing Uh it. Well, we're going to be coming, yes we are right now, I hear the music. We're coming to the end, but all of those things are very helpful. Uh, Especially, that was interesting, uh, the idea that, uh, because I actually have been putting my cell phone in a different room thinking that 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 was uh, taking care of it, but really... Really, it's true. It can um, go to. It can follow you wherever you go, unless you put it in airplane mode. So that's good. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. David Shirazi. Again, he is the head of the Sleep Therapy Center of Conejo Valley in Thousand Oaks in Southern California. So if you are, if you live here, you're passing through, um, and you're having sleep problems, go check him out or uh, check out first do some of the things that he was telling you in terms of sleep hygiene and uh, see if that can take care of it. Also, of course, if uh, the main problems that you're having are psychological, things that I was talking about at the beginning, um, then, you know, you may, you may need to think about going to psychotherapy um, to help you deal with um, how to, to help you deal with these things that you're worrying about and so that you can sleep better. And, of course, I always like, but I know Dr. Shirazi would probably not, <laughs> would not necessarily endorse this. Well, hot milk, that's a, a protein is not bad, <laughs> but hot milk and a cookie, a cookie, that's what I think is the thing that really helps <laughs> you go to sleep. So thank you again, Dr. Shirazi, and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 